It is Tuesday, July 12th. This is Room in the Trees, a podcast about, well, forging your own authentic path. The following conversation was recorded on June 23rd, 2016, in an art studio in Santa Monica. And with attempts to get better audio, I recorded it in a tiny closet in Madison. This is episode 12, Just Do It. Room in the Trees is hosted by Trent Reynolds and me, Sabrina Harrison. Show notes including pictures, links, video, and more for every episode can be found at roominthetrees.com. Your iTunes reviews and comments on the website rock our world. Keep them coming, folks. Leanne, Michelle, and Cassandra, you guys, thank you. I feel excited about this episode. It's the most candid I've been publicly in many years. After listening to it yesterday, I exhaled liberation. I hope you do too. And now, from the closet. It's sort of like I'm going to Narnia when I go into the closet here, but it's no snowy side on the other side of this. It's just... It's It's just a little bit dusty and a bit awkward. (laughs) It's, It's Narnia without the magic. Yeah. Who knows what I'll find while I'm in here. Okay. Hi, Trent. Hi. Should we talk about this quote? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So just in thinking about um, this conversation with your dad is has been what the episodes we've released for the past two weeks. So that's on uh, on my mind and responses yeah. to that um, have been coming in this past week. So... Uh, that is why this quote in particular jumped out uh, at me. Let me uh, tell you what the quote is. It's from, uh, once again, this is a second quote that we're using from the book Art and Fear, which is a book that I like a lot and uh, has a lot of really great uh, thoughts about art. So this is Art and Fear by uh, David Bayliss and Ted Orland, page 22. Uh, And it says... Fears about art making fall into two families, fears about yourself and fears about your reception by others. In a general way, fears about yourself prevent you from doing your best work, while fears about your reception by others prevent you from doing your own work. Both families surface in many forms, some of which you may find all too familiar. So fears... uh, Fears about yourself prevent you from doing your best work, while fears fears about about your reception by others prevent you from doing your own work. That's deep. Yeah, I thought that was really good. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about um, comparing uh, comparisons in our conversation with your dad, and that would fall under the uh, under maybe the family of fear of your reception. By others, but I wanted to I wanted to ask you. Well, let's let's talk about those two things individually: fear of your of yourself and fear of your reception by others. Well, maybe uh, maybe let's talk about just uh, fears about yourself. Fears about yourself prevent you from doing your best work. So I'm trying to think of the kinds of fears that I have about myself, and I think they have to do with. Um, like insecurities. Of, well, it's, sometimes it's hard to d- 
to distinguish between what's a fear about myself and fear of my reception. Because, say, I have a fear that I'm not smart enough, that's also tied into a fear about how I'm going to be received, right? Because it's a comparison that I'm making to... But isn't it interesting about people. how, yeah, but the, somehow that quote, it feels so distilled into making sense as a two, isn't it? Interesting that mm-hmm. way? Yeah. But then when you go to try to name that... I think fear, like the fear that I have about myself is that I don't have anything interesting to say. And I don't, you know what I, I have a hard time with is uh, there are some, some friends and relatives in my life that are, that are artists as well. And I look at them and, and, and friends from, from my graduate program and from just art education throughout the years where they their artwork is so clear and like they they're able to focus on a specific technique or a specific kind of making that they just lock in on and they're so confident about or if they're not confident about they at least have committed to it and it's like there's no they don't have to make that decision over and over again whereas I feel like I'm constantly having to make the decision of what I'm going to do yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't understand how that happens where the people are able to find their, the thing they do, you know, like, this is my thing. Isn't right? that this weird? I, I just, is that, I know, isn't that, I just, I'm kind of blown away that people, and not even just as artists, but people that are like, this is my skill set. Yeah. I mean, whether we are projecting that onto them, that that's how they feel and that's what they know for to be true, we have no idea. We have no idea what their inner life is like. We have no idea what their inner life is like, but what baffles me is that is the production, is like what I see them actually doing. So they're going into their studio every day. Like there's a friend of mine, Todd Chilton, uh, we're in grad school together, fantastic painter, and he does these wonderful abstractions. Um, and he just goes into the studio and he cranks out these, you know, just very prolific, cranks out these beautiful abstractions. You can see how they relate to each other and they're a development of, you know, similar types of uh, a line of thought. But I don't know how he, like, how can he just go in there and, and keep plugging away at this? I don't know. I, I, and when I try to speak, say it out loud, like, it sounds kind of stupid the way. Have you ever talked, it'd be interesting to talk to him about it. Yeah, it would be. And I guess, I don't know, I think some people just have the personality exactly. to fixate on something. Like, like this is, like, it's meditative almost. Like, they right. find something that, that really is compelling to them, and they fixate on it, and they just keep on kind of scratching at that itch. But I think that's part of my, my difficulty is, and we just talked about how I kind of see myself as a dabbler, is I, I kind of get disinterested really quickly and want to try something new and that's what yeah. I think is the that's where I think I relate to you that way about that part of it because I think that's where personality types like I think there's the engineering type you know there's a person that's you know thinking about a wood a woodworker a cabinet maker or an instrument you know um, someone who gets it's like a trade skill would you say like a mm-hmm. something that um 
we're all made differently. And so going with, like, I'm never going to be someone that's really good at something. I'm just not. I'm not going to be good. I've never been really good at anything. Hmm. Well, what does that mean? Like, really good? Well, and that's what I think I always or? felt weird about in a little bit of, I've always felt weird about this. Maybe I've talked talked about this with you maybe years ago, but that adjustment, because you knew me in high school, like I wasn't, you know, we, we grew up around people that were exceller, people that excelled in scholastic, scholastically and, <laughs> you know, mm. were good basketball players or, you know, there's a lot of, and I, I didn't have that. I, I, there's no, there was no need for me to, I didn't have, I don't have that need to prove anything. <laughs> like I just, right. I don't have, I want to pass. I, I mean, I, I just barely made it through algebra. <laughs> I don't even know if I actually made it through algebra, but, um, and, and then to be as a, at a young age to kind of, to put out a lot of stuff about my flaws, about everything I wasn't good at, everything I was felt uncomfortable about and scared about and insecure about, and then sort of to be recognized for that felt completely counterintuitive to hmm. the natural progression of my 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 personality, my character, and it it's always felt really wonky that way because. Hmm. Say that again. I'm not sure. Uh, can you say that one more time? Um, the part about how uh, the the thing that you saw as a as a fault or as a weakness became what you were celebrated for. Is that yes. what you're saying? And that always felt a little wonky. Well, it felt wonky because when it goes into the world then the object of, you know, what, what came from that expression was something that was sort of officially looked at as a marker of success. And mm. it happened, um, and it, I think that's an interesting idea. Uh, and this, this, uh, I don't know, I see this happening a lot in my own life where those and this is uh, also based on this thing I read in grad school uh, chapter from the book, uh, The Unbearable Lightness of Being, mm. and where, where it talks about like when two polar opposites get so close to each other that it's like disorienting. And, and in this case, where That's something so that you saw was as failure became what was seen as your success, you know, where those two extremes came together and became the same thing how that's just really disorienting and it's hard so to yeah. make sense of that, you know? Yeah. That's, and it never felt it's, it, I, I, you know, I look back and I wonder what my life would have been like without that ever mm. happening. I think I would be, I, would have, I think I might own a house. I might, <laughs> I mean, I I wonder about people. That's what I also am interested in is people that 
say have been inspired by my books and have done similar things but have a different personality type it's like I've got this I'm organized I'm creative and I want to do this and I want to make money and I'm not apologetic for what I'm what I'm doing right and I think I felt kind of apologetic that I don't know if that's the right word, but I felt yeah, apologetic I so. for uh, <sighs> felt for a lot of things because I, I okay one uh, one way is also like I wasn't built you know people that are really you know social social people are people that go out and be like I want to be the rose queen or something or like in the rose parade or I want to graduate from I don't I can't think of the right thing you know become a lawyer or have a big goal and achieve it that takes a certain kind of fortitude of uh they're built for the accolades that come with that it's, they didn't stumble upon it. Like they trained, they learned, they studied, they achieved it, they owned what they worked for. Mm -hmm. And they were really proud of it. And I think I haven't. Yeah, I haven't done that. Mm. But one day I'm going to build a barn. It's going to be the True Living Project. It's going to be a place, and that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want, to, and that's I'll feel really proud of it because I will. And not that I didn't work for it, but it just was. It was a different time, and it was a different. You know, it was just different. It was just different. Yeah. Um, when. Yeah, your journey to get there was, you know, was different than where people were at when they received that. I don't know. Yeah. That's not really saying that. What, but. Yeah. Well. Right. But we don't have to use that part. But, uh you know, there's people that knew what they wanted to do and think about people that were like, I'm going, you know, people that we went to high school with, maybe, you know, 20, they've been, they've been lawyers for 20 years now already. Mm -hmm. And could they change? Could they decide to just dabble around? <laughs> Not to... Not to, I mean, that's not really a good example of, like, you know what, I just need to shake it out for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of big thinking. It's, we have a lot, there's a lot of thinking about this. Yeah. Did you, when you graduated high school... Did you ever say, I don't know, did you ever go, did, did you have a moment in college or in high school or in graduate school where you're like, 
where a teacher or a class really brought you alive, just go, I want this. I want to do this. This speaks to me. I got, this is, this is, this is, I, I see my voice in this. I remember feeling like thrilled, I guess is the word that's coming to mind right now. It, two times that that's coming to mind right now. One was I took a class in Photoshop and how to learn Photoshop at, at art center in Pasadena. So I was a C, uh, either junior or senior in high school and it was a night college level night class. And I went there the first day and um, I was totally out of my depth. Like I, had no idea what was going on and I remember just my head was reeling with all the information and the new stuff and and walking around the halls of Art Center and seeing all the artwork there and I just felt so invigorated and challenged and inspired by all the work that I saw in the you know display cases so I remember that being um, and what about it what what was the work what when you close your eyes and think about that what was it about that work I think it was just so skilled, like so technically proficient. Like I, I remember it was just like a, a lot of it was just, uh, you know, product design or figure paintings, you know, like not anything super imaginative or inspiring in those ways, but they were, it was so well done uh. that that felt really, that was really exciting to me. Uh, to think that these are like college age kids, you yeah. know, where they were able to do something to that level of skill. Anyway, go ahead. I, it's interesting because my exactly the same kind of thing was, <clears throat> I remember being in high school and I remember one day we'll talk about Mila and her sending me up to CCAC, now CCA, California College of the Arts in the Bay Area. And my dad and my mom and I went up there and I remember I could just see it like it's yesterday and I was... I guess I was a senior. Um, and we walked in. I even remember the artist. I don't remember her whole name, but it was Gabby something, or her last name was Gabby or something. Gabby. But this, it was graphic design, and it was combining words and imagery. And my dad just said, that's what you do, Sprout. He calls me Sprout. You know, that's, that's, your, that's, that's you. And I just felt it in my core. I'm like, for the first time ever in my kind of teenage, early, you know, years of thinking about my life and the course of my life, I, I, I knew, I'm like, I, I want to do this. I can, I can do this. I'm going to, and I can be good at it. Mm. And I'm excited, I'm excited by it. I'm excited by evoking emotion through words and imagery. And I, mm. and I remember very clearly, and I always felt this all through art school, I was, I was a designer before I was an artist. I was absolutely more interested in the message and reaching a broad, big audience um, to, evoke, to evoke a message, to tell a story. Hmm. Um, I mean, those, those are the years of the great Nike just do it ads with like, you're not your mother's daughter. You're, you know, there's great. There's a, some of the great photography and text. Um, but 
so I just, I went, I went crazy for graphic design. I would, and photography. And do you think that has not been as developed as you want it to be? Like, are you, are you wanting to get back to that excitement or that inspiration? I, well, I always, yeah, because I like, the things I liked about it was I liked the deadline quality of it. I liked that you worked with, you were doing something and solving a problem. And we always had sort of a week turnaround. Um, you know, like we had to design a logo for the San Francisco Public Library. Um, we had to design a poster to encourage people to read. Um we had to design, and I just, I got, I was so, I was on fire with that. I, I, and I, I planned, that's what I kind of envisioned my life being, was being a part of a team. Um, and, and just, just doing that. I did, I, I never took a painting class. I never, I, I never tried to be, I. I, I was very aware I didn't know how to draw and I never even tried to really learn how to draw and I don't mm-hmm. really want to draw. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I do think I got sidetracked and I think I would, I would, I would love to do that kind of work. I think that's an interesting point you just bring up there is that, you know, people, I have students come into, a, say, a, a painting class and they feel like, you know, well, I don't know how to draw, so I, I can't take a painting class yet because I, I can't draw yet. But they're, they're not interested in learning to draw. They, what they really want to do is paint, right? Yeah. But there's this kind of false expectation or assumption that, you know, you have to develop... Uh, like to be a real artist, I have to know how to move a pencil around, right? Right. Or there, to be a real artist, fill in the blank. You know, I have to draw a certain kind of painting or I have to achieve, you know, whenever, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this, like when people bring up Picasso, they talk about what a great mind and, you know, innovator he was, but there's like somebody always has to bring up, oh, well, he was actually a really good, you know, could really knew how to draw, you know, he really knew how to paint before he got into the, you know, his, his work in abstraction, he was very skilled as, you know, in representation as if, you know, he had to have that background. Well, you know, maybe that was part of what made him who he was for sure, but it's not like that's a prerequisite to, you know, anyway, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting how we develop these notions of what, we have to do when this really has nothing to do with where we want to end up, if that makes sense. It does. And it, on to, to further that, to talk to you about which, when you say about um, helping people find their voice, what I appreciated about CCAC was that you had the humanities classes and the, the ultimately to be an artist to be a meaningful artist and understand and find your voice, you have to understand the world around you and look closely and put yourself in context with, it's not about drawing the seashell or painting the seashell. It's, it's getting connected to your voice, what, 
the way you see the world, the way you are taking the world in and reflecting that back out. Mm -hmm. Through the physical act of making and that, that, that shape and the, that the tools for that are far and wide. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if you've had this experience, but another thing that comes to mind is I've seen people who maybe they've been painting with watercolor for years and they've never had the desire to try something else, you know, another medium. But for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's the only class that was available. So they show up at a, a an oil painting class or a acrylic painting class and they try this new medium and all of a sudden just something clicks and makes sense about the material. Like mm. it, it, it resonates with them somehow and opens up a whole, you know, level of possibility that they didn't see before. And I, I'm looking at this, well, this quote about, uh, you know, fears about yourself prevent you from doing your best work. Like, I think fears about trying new things, fears about, or like, assumptions or expectations of what has to be and fears of deviating from what you feel like, um, you know, a real artist does or, or that you have to do to be, you know, all this, all this noise that I think can get into um, finding what, uh, you know, our place is and what the right yeah. vehicle, you know, the right medium, the right um, setting, the right relationship, the right, you know, all of these things, I think, is based on uh, on these fears we have of branching out and trying something new. And f I don't know that, and that keeps us from our best work. Anyway, and I that think. parlays into the, the second part of the quote about your own work, not your best work, but your own work. Right. And, and I think, and that, and work can be in a broad sense. Like that's what you're right now. It seems like you're questioning what, your own work in this world, how to bring that forth. Absolutely. And I think that's, it's a moving target. I think it's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just like you were talking about earlier, what brought you to the, to the point where you had success with your, your first book? Well, you're a different person now and it, you're, what you have to say, your truth, your, you know, so much about your life is, is changed. And it's like you got to reassess and you got to find them. You have to take that journey anew. And I think the same thing you know, for everybody. Like it's and not give yourself like, the permission to. Absolutely. Because absolutely. people around you, that that goes into the um, reception part of it. Is uh, That's huge, you know. Oh, it's there so was, hard to do. It's so, so hard to do. There was a great, you know, that's what makes... And that's what not doing it, you don't have to do it and document it on Instagram every five minutes the way through, <laughs> you know? Right. I think that's, that's kind of a unique uh, situation brought up by social media and the convenience of, of, you know, our digital lives is that we are so aware and connected to others that it's really hard not to to let that creep too much into our decision-making about what we do and who we are. 
you know, our fear about how other people are going to perceive us dictates, the, you know, our crea- creative decisions and how we run our lives. And stops us from physically doing the, getting your hands into it because your hands on the phone and not in. Right. The material. That's one of the things that concerns me most about the kids growing up right now is the first instinct is to have the device before the experience. And you do the, the experience almost as a way to document it. Like to, <sighs> oh, my God, to, to that's be, so true. You do the, th- the experience so you have something to do with your device. <laughs> like, <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of a... Putting the carriage before the horse, or whatever. I wonder if there'll be there'll be some change in that, and just. Uh... I think so. I think we're already seeing it. I think. Yeah. And it's. I think it's a natural progression. We're going to realize that there's a certain amount of. Um, I don't know, like, social disease that grows yeah. up out of yeah. out of this. Yeah. And we'll figure out ways to create artificial barriers and ways to protect ourselves from, uh, you know, these tools that we've made and limit them and create space for ourselves to exist without having to make constant comparisons. Well said. So do you feel, well, let me, let me ask you this. Where do you think your biggest hang-ups are uh, or biggest struggles are are they in fear of yourself or fear of other people or your reception of uh, by other people well I wrote this down while we were talking and it, this is the voice I always hear I don't know how to do it like that is so interesting because like that that is one of your biggest rallying cries is like just do it right is like don't think about don't think about it doesn't matter that you don't know what you're doing just get your hands dirty right that's that's something that i think you're so good at that it's surprising to me that to hear that that's you know the demon voice yeah it is like i think i I don't know how to write that email i don't know how to tell the person like you really hurt me you know that really hurt my feelings um I never learned how to stand up. I never learned. I don't feel like I know how to really stand up for myself. And I don't know how to know. I don't know. I feel like I don't know how. Just how to do it. Like I just sometimes I just don't know how to do it. I don't know. And so I avoid it. I avoid it and avoid it. And that really it becomes a problem. That's a real, real problem. I don't. I'm not. Conflict resolution. You know, just uh, I I think one of the things I've it's funny my with my I've I've also been reflecting a lot on the conversation with my dad that we had, and one of the things that comes up is as much as the bravery of us moving to California from Canada, and my mom's an only child, and my dad has one sister, and she lives in England with. Chaz, <laughs> but we never, we didn't have cousins. We didn't have, I didn't have, uh, we had no, we, there's no like, oh, I'll just ask my cousin Stephanie about that. Or Jeff can come by and help me get, you know, show me how to, like my dad didn't have a toolbox. 
we don't have to publish that. You know, everyone has, like, that was not his thing. He was not like a, I'll fix, I'll fix that, you know. Uh, or, you know, so everyone, he was decisively himself. He was really great at uh, being a dad in some fantastic ways. But there's sometimes I feel like I don't really know, I don't know what, I don't know how to handle this. Uh, I feel like I, for a lot of my my years growing up, and I, I didn't feel like I chose this path, I didn't, I didn't know, like I didn't know who to follow or go, there was no, um, so my... Well, what really and stops that, me that is that. That continues to be that continues to be something that you struggle with, right? Hey, thanks. I mean, yeah, Trent. Thanks for <laughs> I, uh, I know no, exactly. I it's so true. That's what I mean. It's completely I, Well, no. I think that's I think though it's interesting that that your success puts you in a situation where you're facing that same thing again where you're you're breaking new ground and going in a direction where you don't have anybody to model after. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that was the thing that brought you the success in the first place is your ability to just, just do it even though you don't know what you're doing, even though you don't have somebody to ask how to do it, you know, you just, you just did it. I don't know. So I, I, I don't know. I see this kind of like virtuous cycle almost that the thing that was your struggle is what made brought you this tremendous strength that people responded to and that that brought you to to the place where you could create that book or then but all then of it, the books and that's probably why it, all the books and that's probably but then yeah that that thing that that you were able to create is what's perpetuating this the same situation that you're trying to remedy <laughs> i don't know exactly don't know. exactly it's a vicious and a virtuous cycle simultaneously and that's why that wonderful line um, by Frederick Buechner is God calls us, God calls us, oh my gosh, let me get it right now. To, God calls us to the place where a deep gladness in the world's deep hunger meet. Mm-hmm. When you became that person to model after for so many people, right? That's that's what inspired people is it gave them somebody to look to as an example for for a way to express something that was really deep and profound in their own lives. Like they didn't know how to do that until they saw how you did it. Like really. And, and I think my dad talking about failing, like just the idea that he went down and pitched and had to be ex- and he really was. He'd come home, he'd fail, but he was like completely like, let's go. I mean, not in a cheesy way, but he was, you know, he. He made, he kept doing it, and I think I've got to face people getting mad at me, things not working, asking for something that I'm going to be told no to, uh, being embarrassed, holding ourselves back, or being hesitant is not doing any favors to anybody. Definitely. I feel we had there was a, it was choppy but interesting and strong. What do you think? I think we've got some good stuff in there. I do too. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. 
It was another conversation where I felt like I learned a lot. And I want to thank Sabrina for being willing to have these conversations and for being willing to share so openly. You can find show notes for this episode at roominthetrees.com. You can support us by subscribing at patreon.com backslash room. Now, part of the conversation from this episode, 12 minutes or so, didn't quite belong with the rest of what we talked about, but we both thought it would be worth sharing. So we will be posting it on our Patreon page as an extra for our Patreon subscribers. We really appreciate your support. And if you have a moment, it really helps us reach more people if you would rate us on iTunes. We are reading your reviews. Thank you so much for taking the time. My brother Brent provided the music for this podcast. You can hear more of his music on soundcloud.com by searching for Venter's Stack Motel. Next week, we will be talking to Daniel Franklin, who is a truly remarkable educator and artist, and who I am honored to call a friend. I hope you join us. Now, go do... (laughs) 